Um, Akela Cooper is on the show, and you write for, I think, everything? <laughs> <laughs> Try to. Uh, let's, I've got the IMDb up just because, and in the last, since 2014, you've worked on The 100, Luke Cage, American Horror Story. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then you always secretly working on, I think, four other projects. Yeah, you my own at, personal you, I, stuff. I'm seeing here you've worked on a lot of genre, which doesn't surprise me considering I was getting into fights with you like five years ago about all your Teen Wolf spoilers on Twitter. Oh, that's right. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> this is when Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. was just starting. Yep. And I was working at a job that I hated back in New York. You know, good times. <laughs> you just work on a lot of genre stuff. I love genre. Yeah. So welcome like, to Word Tetris, the show about rewriting. Um, little paperwork. As I've said before, you can go, you'll get the first 20 minutes of this episode for free if you're listening to it on iTunes or any other podcast app. Then after that, go to patreon.com slash word tetris, pay a dollar an episode, and you'll get this full the episode in full, completely. Just dollar an episode. But here's the kicker. If you pay three dollars an episode, there is a tier where you will get this episode plus a bonus episode we're gonna record after this. So get an hour and a half to two hours. Of a Kayla Cooper. <laughs> For $3. So, shows about rewriting, and in genre, especially genre, rewriting's a bitch. It can be. It, I mean, what's your, what's your experience, what's your experience with the, with the goddess of rewriting? Because everyone knows the god of rewriting is hard, but the, the goddess of rewriting is just, she hates you, is uh, what it is. I think she, I think. Do you mean personally or professionally? Professionally. Professionally, Professionally, it's, it can be hard. I mean, a lot of the shows that will remain unnamed that I've worked on, usually by the time you get to the rewriting process, the showrunner has just snatched that from you. Yeah. And they're doing it. Yeah. And so you hope, like, fingers crossed, something that you wrote So then you actually get taken out of the process, it sounds like. Uh, on a couple of shows, yeah, I've been taken out. Okay. Like there have been a couple of shows where it's like you get notes mm-hmm. and then you basically do the notes. It's like when you are not the showrunner, that's basically your job. Mm-hmm. Like you follow orders. Mm-hmm. So, so then what, when you're doing those notes, how do you invest knowing that it's always going to go the way of the showrunner is going to snatch it from you? How do you push yourself to do the best you can do on it, knowing that no matter how good I think it is, it's not, I'm not living in that showrunner's head. So thus it will never be up to what they want. It just, I mean, at the end of the day, you know, gods and goddesses willing, your name is going to be on this episode. Mm -hmm. And again, you're trying, like you are trying to get into the showrunner's head and give them what they want. Mm -hmm. Like as a writer on staff, no matter what level you're at, when you're below the showrunner, that is, your goal. And it's always just like, for me personally, I have had those moments like early on in my career where it's like, yes, why do I give a fuck? Like they're going to take it, they're going to change it. And it's like, you know, another writer, an older writer pulled me aside. I was like, no, you have to be invested in this. Otherwise you're going to be miserable writing it. And why your first love will be destroyed. Yeah. Yeah. No, I get that. That sounds like a good reason. And when you're when you're going through that process, you know, you've talked a lot about your secret project. So it's sometimes, so these are things I'm guessing are off on your own. Mm-hmm. So then talk to me about your process of how it goes when you don't have a showrunner giving you notes when you're on your own. Oh, what, it's, is it a different feeling? Is it the same feeling? For like, usually I am the person who is like, I like to do the heavy lifting up front mm-hmm. so that when I'm revising, it's fun. I had the exact same response from Judy McCreary on my last episode that yeah. she likes to front end it. Oh yeah. So that way, you know, do do all of the 
things that you want to deal with in the outline. Mm -hmm. So you don't have to deal with it in the rewrite to yeah. the point. So are your outlines super, super detailed then? Very detailed. So um, it sounds like for some people, I can't, uh, this isn't true for me, but it sounds like rewriting begins before writing begins. Oh yeah. Like I, when I'm working on my personal stuff, I like every writer, I have like notebooks and the process I'll, you know, as I'm thinking out the idea, I'll write everything down as it comes to me at a certain point, I will put it in order and I will do this by hand. It's like a pencil and a pad. And I will continue writing this out by hand until I have it in an order that makes sense. So if there's a mistake on the page, if like, oh, this scene needs to come here, if I think about a line of dialogue and then I write it in the margins. You don't do like a corkboard or anything? Mm -mm. I oh, am rewriting it all by, by hand. hand. <sighs> I can't. Until it makes sense. Because I also, I realize like when I write stuff by hand, more ideas come to me as I'm writing than if I'm just staring at a computer typing. And so I'll have usually two drafts of like handwritten outlines before I actually type it out. Mm -hmm. And then I type it out. And then again, it's like stuff is popping into my head. I'm putting it in there. I'll, you know, do a pass, like two passes on that. So this is basically four outlines essentially that I've done. And my goal is, it's like, I do not want to be asking myself questions when I'm writing the script. Mm -hmm. Like, what would he say in this moment? Or what would happen? At, like, I don't, sure. that should have been answered in but the But then outline. when you get to the other side of that draft and you start handing it to, everyone's got the their circle mm -hmm. of people. You start handing it out and they come back. This, the, you know, this doesn't make sense. I don't know about this line. This part's cool. But what about this part? Should this part come? When you're getting all of that and you're mm -hmm. taking all that in, what happens then? Um, if the notes make sense, I adjust. And if it goes against what I want, I do not include the notes. Usually my rule is like, I will have three people that, uh, I trust, like read my outline or my script and give me notes. And then if two of those, two out of three have the same note, then that note needs to be addressed. Yeah. yeah. If they all have different notes, then I will just go through and I'll be like, okay, what is going to help me make this better? Yes, I definitely have dealt with that one where uh, my latest sample, my solo sample, the one after that was a was a co-write project, but the one before that, mm -hmm. I dealt with the motivation issue where I was like, where more than once I got this, I got this note back of, I don't know what this is about. <laughs> And I, I I talked about this on the first episode with John. I was like, I I know it's it's I, it is there. I swear it's there. Like yeah. you, I don't know. I can't speak for everyone, but for me, it's like I have to break these walls where I go into a draft thinking this is the greatest thing I've ever written. Mm -hmm. This is fucking awesome. Because if I don't feel that way, I hate writing it, and I don't want to hate writing it. So. I come out the other side, and now I suddenly have to break down this ego wall. Yes, you do. <laughs> I mean, again, but that's, I think actually having been on so many staffs at this point, and, you know, the notes process there helps me in my personal writing right. not to be offended when someone is like, well, I didn't get this. And it's right. like, oh, okay, well, when you take a breath and you think about it, it's like, okay, I didn't make that clear. Right. All right, fine. Yeah, then it came, yeah, because it did come through like five months later mm -hmm. when I went back into it, when I was like free and clear, and I was like, Oh, yeah. <laughs> Shit. They're right. And I mean, I've had that, like, and the stuff that I'm working on now, as I was writing this thing, I was like, in the back of my mind, I'm like, this is, this is taking too long to get where I need to go. This mm -hmm. is taking too long to get where I need to go. And I let people read it and they were fine with it. And then I had that one person who was like, 
Yeah, I wanted more of the back half of the script. Like if we could just get there sooner and it's like, yeah, okay. So mm. even though that was only one You're just episode, waiting for the like, confirmation. Yeah, I'm like, yep, nope. You just want something to confirm your own beliefs yeah. sometimes. So then how did your how did your internal editing process change pre being on staff and post being on staff? Pre being on staff, it's like I was writing a lot of features. Because mm-hmm. um, I was at a USC. Which is all loneliness and yes. self-editing mm-hmm. and hating yourself. Uh, so I would do the same process. Like have people that I trust. You like uh, they were professors at USC who were you know willing to help me out outside of class. Like give me notes and I would like consider the notes and address them. Uh, and again, just the ones that I was like, no, this is gonna help. But usually it's like when you have people that you trust, they're not gonna give you notes to tank your script. No, unless your friends are assholes. <laughs> So, you know, usually it's like all of the notes are coming from a good place and it's a genuine place because the thing with screenwriting is like we are constantly in our heads and it's like I am shit at proofing and I realize I am shit at proofing because as I'm reading, even if I'm like doing it out loud, my brain corrects stuff. So that I don't actually see Same. the typos. Same. I'll find it. What I what what I found I had to do, and I discovered this on the last one, and I only discovered it after mm-hmm. doing it after doing the co-writing one. I need to print it out and yeah. actually go word by word yes. with a pen. But even so, it's like I will still like miss. I still miss stuff, stuff even doing that. And so, and I think that's like when you're in such a vacuum that is your own head, and so like an outside perspective comes in. It's like, oh well, that's. That's not what I intended, but it's like, it's, it's kind of like a writing blindness. It's like, yeah, no, that's not what I intended, but fresh eyes are reading this and that's what they're getting. So yeah. Yeah. Like just consider, you know, again, hopefully you have good friends who want to help you and want to help you improve. So don't take it. it, No one is ever going to come back being like, oh my God, this is the best thing ever. I had, you know, 10 orgasms reading it. No. The closest I came was, uh, the guy who I actually co-wrote the last script with read Mm -hmm. the previous script. And it opens with a plane crash. And he read it and was like, this is the best five pages you've ever written. <laughs> then proceeded to throw red line after red line in the in the following 47 pages. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I was like, oh, oh, this, oh, you set me up for such a hard fall. <laughs> ah. So when you're in room, you're on staff. And you're going through the rewrite process and you're getting those notes, you know, you're also getting from a place where everyone's, you know, the thing is that everyone's on the same page Mm -hmm. because you're all making the same show versus when you're on your own and you're handing it to your friends and all your friends are coming to it with their perspective Mm -hmm. of what it should be versus where you were on the 100 for what, two seasons? Yes. So I assume by season two, everyone's like, we know what show we're making. Yes. So we know how to deliver notes. So what did the notes become then? If everyone knows they're on the same page and the writer comes in knowing, writer goes in knowing this is what the show is, so they write it, and you come back, do the notes feel different than they do from the friend group? Because, you know, it's like, are they different kinds of notes? It's like, well, you don't have to address tonal notes. For example, in that kind of, in that in show. In your personal world. Well, well, in your, in, if you're writing an episode of the 100 on season Yes, you know. You, know, you, you know. you don't have to do things like tonal notes and what are the motivation notes because we already all know that. So what do the notes become in that process then? It's basically, it's like whatever the showrunner is, is feeling 
at the moment it's like a lot of stuff like with the hundred like the showrunner was kind of like an action oriented person so a lot of it had to deal with like what the action was of the episode and then it's like what is our main character clark like what is she going through so he was very protective of that but like yeah it's it's also an episode to episode basis because a lot of times you know stuff would just like this isn't working and like you would read the outline it's like this action sequence is not working and i remember one point in season two like we had to like completely re-break like our b story uh with bellamy because like just the action wasn't like like the timeline did not make sense it was mm-hmm. like a game of thrones episode where it's like a game of thrones episode where look they're just gonna fly in with dragons yes. and you're gonna it's like deal a supersonic with it. crow just got off a message <laughs> and like they cannot you know and so it's stuff like that is what you're looking for at that point you know then what about when you enter a show like uh, there's three shows in your career where I feel like you, you get tackled different ways. So it's like the hundred is a place where you were there long enough where you knew what the tone was, the motivation, et cetera, et cetera. Now run me through American Horror Story, brand new story every season. Mm-hmm. So then you can't. Re- it's not the same discussion because no one really knows what the show is yet. You you don't really have to know because Ryan Murphy is going to tell you. Like American <laughs> Horror Story is a very unique situation. It's like Ryan Murphy and Brad Falchuk. They know that show, and so basically, as a writer on staff, you listen to them and you give them what they want. Period. You're just a cog in that machine, pretty much. Okay, so then let's jump to Luke Cage, mm-hmm. which I assume wasn't like that. No, and so, Luke Cage was more traditional. You're right. Traditionally run. So when you're trying to, so when you're trying to find it after the room's broken it after you you're off writing your draft after you brought brought your draft back even though you all broke it together mm-hmm. it's not like the hundred season two you know i assume be easier later on but in for right now in season one you're all trying to find it you don't know what the show is yet you i assume maybe i assume when you were in season one did you guys know mike colt oh you didn't know because yeah we did because he was in jessica jones, jones. So you knew who the actor would be, but you knew nothing else about who was playing what, what the show was going to look like. You kind of knew. And then we, you know, when you find those actors, right. like once you know you have Alfre Woodard, it's like, all right. Things will change. Things will change. You're, you're changing um, dialogue for Alfre Woodard. Dialogue. And then, you know, Mahershala Ali at the time, like now he's an Oscar winner. At the time he was coming off of House of Cards. He's still an incredible actor. So again, it's like, I want to write awesome dialogue. The thing with Luke Cage is that like when I came into that show, like, uh, Cheo Coker, who's a showrunner uh, who created it, had such a specific idea for what he wanted to do. Like he had a show bible that basically like broke down all thirteen episodes that he wanted to do. Mm-hmm. Uh, we changed that a little bit, like as we got into the room, started breaking out the stories. But like, and he also comes from a musical background. He used to be a journalist, a music journalist. So like, music plays heavily into the show for anyone who's watched any episode of season one. And so that was kind of like that, you know, black exploitation esque tone that he wanted to set. And like to his credit, um, at the beginning of season one, he sent the entire staff basically it's like, these are the movies that influence, you know, me as I was writing this series, Bible, things like Belly and City of God and, you know, all of those kind of movies. So did like, you we, guys have even a did he have a pilot script? Yeah, he had the first two episodes. He had the first episodes, okay. So, like, we read those, looked through all the links um, of, like, the stuff that he wanted to do tone-wise with the show. So, like, once we got started, it's like, we kind of knew what footing we were on um, in regards to the tone that we were going to set, what kind of characters we were going to write. And basically, like, he had two scripts done, so it's like, all right, here's his voice in two scripts. Like, Mm -hmm. follow that. So, I want to to divert and talk about that for a second, writing to someone else's voice. Mm Because, I mean, 
we don't live in that world anymore, but there was the time where everyone had to write spec scripts yeah. to get jobs. And I got to admit, I'm, oh, I was always back and forth on it. I'm back on the side of, man, I wish that existed still because I hate writing. I love writing pilots in the sense that I get to create stories, mm-hmm. but they're so much harder to get people to like. Mm-hmm. A spec script, you either take like it or you don't, but I know why you do or don't. Yeah. Pilot, there's a thousand different reasons why you might not like a pilot. And they yeah. do not give someone a job because of that. So when you're writing, but it's still important because then you go to staff and you hist- you have to write in Cheo's voice. Mm-hmm. When you're doing that, how do you, in a re- when you're, you write the first draft, I assume you're not handing your first draft into the room when you're off on episode. Well, actually, yes. It's like you write the outline, you send it to the script coordinator who will do the proofing for you because that's their job and they're awesome. Shout out to our season one script coordinator, Brian Farley. Um... They thankless, will it. thankless job. I am very thankful for them. <laughs> uh, they give, to every every writer listening who's on staff. You give your script. You give your script coordinator a box of cookies and a cake and a pie. Yeah, you give them all the pastries and maybe day. maybe a night off. So <laughs> he'll proof it and then he'll you know send it to the showrunners. They'll read it like you showrunners or in this case it's like our showrunner number two. He'll distribute it, what's called, he'll distribute it wide, which is to the staff. And one of the things that I haven't had to do formally since probably I was an assistant on Jericho. Um, You're in Jericho? Yeah, that was my first job. Love Jericho. I was a research assistant. Um, we had to research what would happen if nukes yep. took, over United, took out the United States. Yep, I had to figure out, like, I remember it's like, what, how many kilotons would take out Denver? So your Google searches were fun, and this is like right after Oh, I'm probably still on an FBI watch list (laughs) from my Google searches. It's like, at one point they were like, hey, we need to know how to make meth. And I'm like, really, guys? Really? That's what you want me to start? Okay. And this was what, 2006? 2006, yeah. Oh, and this is pre-Breaking Bad, so it's not, you know, then like the entire Breaking Bad staff probably got flagged by the DEA. I'm just like, what ingredients are in (laughs) meth? And I would go to like educational websites that you know there's like here's we're trying to like scare kids off meth because there's battery acid and yada 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 i'm like okay I, I at least have some kind of you know government list and i'm not actually like how many uh you know grams of whatever am i putting into a bathtub but yeah it was fun time <laughs> on my laptop for 2006 2007 i hope you burn um, that laptop uh but usually now i don't have to do the thing where the entire staff reads the outline or the script sits down gives the writer notes usually how it works now is everyone will read it and they'll give you their thoughts individually but it usually comes down to the showrunner showrunners or the number two and then that's who you get notes from and then it'll go to the studio they will give notes you will do those notes um and then it goes to the network and then you do those notes and then you're constantly just like evolving the script because like once you get into production and then, like, all the department heads have questions. Uh, usually it's like, hey, we can't afford this. Cut it out. Right. Or, like, set it somewhere else. And so, yeah, it's just, like, it's just a continuing process until you've actually filmed it. Uh, and then it becomes an, a thing for editing. But, yeah, there's no real formal, at least on the shows that I've worked on, there's been no formal notes process from the entire staff mm-hmm. that you have to deal with. Kayla, Luke can't take down an entire building. No. I'm sorry. <laughs> nope. <laughs> I think at one point in, in season one... We- to hear the rest of this episode, head on over to patreon.com slash wordtetris.